Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, including yours. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com for some of our favorites. Up next, a story from our regular contributor, Anne Clare. Anne is a choir director, teacher, organist, and a great writer on all things World War II history. Today, she shares with us the story of two ships sunk at the attack on Pearl Harbor. Take it away, Anne. The island of Oahu in the state of Hawaii has a huge place in American history, particularly in the history of America's involvement in World War II. 
the Japanese attacks on December 7, 1941, which launched the U.S. into the war, took place on that island. These attacks did a great deal of damage and caused a great loss of life, as well as the complete losses of three ships. The USS Arizona, the USS Utah, and the USS Oklahoma. The Arizona Memorial is open to the general public as part of the World War II Valor in the Pacific National Monument, and it's an excellent place to visit and to remember those who were lost. Unlike the Arizona Memorial, the Utah and the Oklahoma Memorials are actually found on Ford Island, which is still used by the military as part of Joint Base Pearl Harbor-Hickam. So to see these memorials, one needs special permission, or, if you're fortunate enough as we were, military friends stationed in the area who will act as escort. The resting place of the Utah is a rather lonely and unassuming place. When we visited, our party had the little parking area to ourselves. By 1941, the Utah was already past her prime. Launched in 1909, she served in World War I. She was demilitarized in 1931 and repurposed as a target ship for training. The Utah was on the opposite side of Ford Island from the Arizona and other prime targets for Japanese planes. Just why she ended up having six torpedoes fired on her is an open question. Perhaps it was a case of mistaken identity. But whatever the reason, 64 of the training ship's officers and crew were lost. It might have been more if Lieutenant Commander Solomon Isquith hadn't organized a rescue crew when he and others who'd escaped heard the frantic knocking on the hull of survivors trapped inside. Braving Japanese planes still strafing the harbor, they returned to their sunken ship to cut the hull open and save those they could. The Utah was never salvaged. It still rests in Pearl Harbor as part of its own memorial, entombing those who went down with her. The original memorial for the Utah was a plaque mounted on the wrecked remains. A new memorial was built in 1972. The simple white structure offers a close view of the ship's remains. Below the raised American flag, a plaque commemorates those who were lost. Like the Arizona survivors, survivors of the Utah have the option of having their ashes returned to the ship upon their passing to join those who never left. The memorial for the USS Oklahoma is also found on Ford Island. Unlike the Utah, the USS Oklahoma was still a fully active battleship. On the morning of December 7, 1941, she was tied up just down Battleship Row from the Arizona. Struck by at least nine torpedoes, it took only 13 minutes for the Oklahoma to capsize. Sailors tried to evacuate over the starboard side, but as she rolled over, hundreds were trapped inside. There are many stories of bravery from the Oklahoma's tragedy. Honors given to her crew include two posthumous medals of honor and one Navy cross. One award particularly caught my eye as it was given just a couple of years ago. It was given to Father Aloysius H. Schmidt. He had just finished morning mass and was reportedly hearing confession on board the USS Oklahoma when the first torpedoes hit. He assisted 12 sailors to escape through a porthole. When he attempted his own escape, he became stuck. 
Hearing other sailors in the compartment behind him, he insisted on being pushed back into the doomed vessel so that others could escape. His remains were identified recently, and his family was awarded his posthumous Silver Star in 2017. Those who escaped the Oklahoma worked frantically for days to cut through the ship's hull to rescue trapped survivors. But in spite of their best efforts, they were only able to rescue 32. All told, the Oklahoma suffered 429 losses, the second highest loss of life after the Arizona. In memory of those lives lost, 429 white marble pillars stand at the Oklahoma Memorial. A black stone marker at the memorial sums up the meaning of the place best. A portion of it reads, Manning the Rails. As Navy vessels pass through Pearl Harbor, sailors and Marines stand at attention along the ship's railing and superstructure. The crew's dress uniforms contrast sharply against the gray vessels. In full dress uniform, the ship's crew stands at attention in a display of respect and honor, coming home for a final time by manning the rails. Those white marble pillars are meant to represent those missing crew members who will no longer be able to man their ship's rails. The USS Oklahoma herself no longer rests in Pearl Harbor. The Navy attempted to salvage her, patching and refloating her. However, the damage was too great. The Oklahoma was decommissioned in 1944. She was sold for scrap. However, en route to the west coast, she broke her toe and sank the 17th of May, 1947. I'm grateful that I've had the opportunity to pay my respects at these memorials. If you ever have that opportunity, I definitely recommend a visit as well, as we remember lives lost and sacrifices given as people fought and struggled to preserve the freedoms that we cherish. And a beautiful job on the production by Monty. And a special thanks to Anne Claire for sharing the stories of the USS Utah and Oklahoma here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, Know that all of our stories about American history, from war to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. And we return to Our American Stories. And up next, you're going to hear from Connecticut Shorty. And yes, you heard it right. That's the name she goes by. And she also happens to be on the board of the Hobo Museum. And you heard that right, too. The Hobo Museum. And she is here to share the stories of the history of the American hobo. Betty Moylan is my given name. My hobo name is Connecticut Shorty. Hobo names usually are given to you by someone, another hobo usually, but some people will pick their nickname they had when they were a kid or a nickname somebody gave them along the way. My hobo name, Connecticut Shorty, came from an old-time steam air hobo named Steam Train Mari Graham. 
a steam air hobo is a hobo that rode steam trains and he gave me my name in Logansport, Indiana in 1992 at a railroad festival. He decided that should be my name, so that's my name. Prior to that, I had a hobo name. It was Twinkle Toes, because I was kind of a dancer, you know, <laughs> so. My sister's hobo name is New York Maggie. I gave her that name because although we were both raised in Connecticut, she raised her family in Rochester, New York. She left when she was fairly young. So I gave her the name New York Maggie. My brother is very thin, so his hobo name is Slim Tim. Redbird Express, he picked up his name because he was a truck driver. You know, when he was driving the truck, they called him Redbird Express, so he kept that as his hobo name. Connecticut Tootsie, her father used to give uh, Tootsie Pops to the kids in his shoemaking store. So she took the name Connecticut Tootsie in honor of her father. Slow Motion Shorty was an old time steam air hobo. He had him hit by a car a couple of times walking along roads and he moved pretty slow. Of course, he had had a lot of injuries. So the hobos called him Slow Motion Shorty. Oh, Hard Rock Kid, he got his name. He was a hard rock miner out in the West. He liked to mine those minerals and stuff. So he, he got the hobo name Hard Rock Kid. So they come from a variety of places, different names. They're kind of fun. A lot of people mix up the American hobo. I say American hobo because it's really only an American phenomenon, this hobo person that rode trains. A lot of people mix up the hobo with the homeless or the, the local people that, you know, hang around towns and beg and stuff. So classically, the hobo worked and wandered and they were homeless by choice. Some of them had homes. They could go home if they wanted to, you know, a lot of them had families and homes or a relative would take them in, but they didn't want that. They loved to be out American wandering. They didn't want to have a home. It sort of gave them a claustrophobia or something. They had to be outside. A classic example is my father. Now, he married my mother in the 1940s, and he had hoboed before he met my mother. So he tried very hard to settle down. He, he had three children, there's three of us, and uh, he, did his best, but he, there was a lot of problems in the marriage because he was restless. Sometimes he'd leave and disappear for three or four days. And then eventually the marriage ended and he left. So we were raised by our mother and he went back to Hobo and he worked and wandered his whole life. He just rode trains and wandered around America and worked. So it's uh, there's all kinds of stories connected with Hobos having to, it, I guess you can't explain it to a person that doesn't have it. It's, it's called the wanderlust, where you just can't stay there. You can't settle down into a, a home and a normal kind of life, what we call normal. But to a hobo, a normal life was wandering around and uh, picking up odd jobs to make enough money to keep going and just to see what's going on all over the country. So the classic definition of a hobo is they wander and work and work to wander because they don't mind working and they'll take a variety of jobs, but they get restless after usually just a couple of months tops and they just got to get on the road and see what's going on down the tracks basically. So they leave the job, short-term jobs. They started pretty much after the Civil War. Uh, a lot of the veterans, of course, didn't want to go home or they couldn't go home depending on their personal circumstances. And they had been, you know, a lot of them wandering around, you know, fighting, of course, for uh, five years or so. So they started following the railroad, working for the railroad and just wandering and working. But they'd do anything. They'd paint, they'd wash dishes in restaurants. They took all kinds of jobs just to stay for a short term. Some of them worked in lumber camps, like that hard rock kid, he'd work in mines. 
They worked a lot of the migrant farm work, but they really helped develop the country because the farmers needed the help. It wasn't the modern generation where machines can do so much today. It was all manual labor and stuff, so they were happy to have this big work crew of people show up seasonally, most of them, like they pick apples in Oregon. New York State had apples. The hobos would go to New York State to pick apples and cherries and stuff. So they were all over the place. And they'd hold up in camps that were called hobo jungles. This is where they'd gather and meet each other and cook what they call hobo stew, just a pot of water and all kinds of vegetables and stuff. And if they had meat, they'd throw that in. But it filled up a lot of people. That's the reason they cooked that, because it would fill up a whole camp of people. They share stories. They talk about where the jobs were. Some of them would play music. Now, the Woody Guthrie hobo, he carried a guitar. But very few people carried a guitar. Most of them actually played the harmonica, the ones that played an instrument, because they could just slip that in a pocket or a little bag or something, you know, because when you're getting on trains, you can't be carrying all this big stuff like guitars. And actually, they never even carried walking sticks on trains. They were in the way when you're trying to, you know, jump on trains. Most of them would get on off trains when they were moving. They may pick up a walking stick and carry it around the town or something, you know, for things that might try to hurt them. So historically, it came down as fact that this is what the hobos did, but they weren't really riding trains with a walking stick. Some of that stuff becomes folklore. Most of them carried what we would call a bindle or a bag slung over their shoulder. It was more practical. Some of the hobos would dry their socks, hanging them on trees and sticks and stuff. One time, this old timer had a cane now, so he was drying his socks on his walking stick. The hobos were originally meeting in the Chicago area. It wasn't really the city of Chicago. It was a lot of the surrounding smaller towns prior to 1900. About 1899, word had come to Brit that the hobos were unhappy meeting in the Chicago area. Police were hassling them and this and that, and they wanted to go somewhere else. So these business people in Brit, Iowa, there was three or four main business people. They decided, well, why don't we invite the hobos to come to Brit and this will give us, you know, national recognition as a city. It was a railroad town and, you know, it'll have tourists come and spend money and this will be a good thing for us. So they got a hold of one of the hobos. He was the grand head pipe of these hobos that were meeting in the Chicago area. His name was Charles Noe and the Grand Head Pipe was the spokesperson for the hobos and the chief negotiator. So he came to Britain in 1899 and met with these business people and they did the negotiations for him to start spreading the word for the hobos to come and have their convention there. And probably the biggest reason that got him interested in having the hobos come to Britain was they promised him that the hobos could have all the free German suds that they wanted. Uh, type of free beer. So this was a really big ticket item for these hobos. So they all agreed to come and then 1900 was going to be the first convention held in Brit. And they came, most of them came by trains. Of course, there was all kinds of trains back in those days. And there was notoriety all over the country, papers oh, out in California, uh, Illinois, all over the country carried this first annual convention. Well, they didn't call it an annual convention, this hobo convention going to be held in Brit. And then that was pretty successful. So then after that, Brit started inviting hobos. They just started coming back every year. And we still have an annual convention today. The hobo community people come into Brit. I wouldn't classify them as classic American hobos anymore, but a lot of heavy duty rail riders still come in. And we sit and we have a meeting and 
In the old days, they would talk about, of course, where jobs were and uh, what's going on around the town or something. Now we pretty much talk about our community, what we need to do in the jungle maybe to make it better, and if there's any issues in the town, we try to resolve them, things like that. But we still actually have an annual Hobo Convention meeting in the city of Britt every year. And you're listening to Connecticut Shorty tell the story of the American hobo. By the way, when she says Brit, she's talking about Brit, Iowa. That's where the hobo convention is held each year. And hobos, well, they want to distinguish themselves from homeless people. This is their lifestyle. This is how they choose to live, work and wander, Connecticut Shorty said. And indeed, her father, well, he worked and he wandered, and then he kept wandering. But she didn't resent him for it. Clearly, she's chronicling the hobo life. And when we come back, more from Connecticut Shorty of the Hobo Museum here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, Boy, that can be a real problem. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash OAS. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we continue with Our American Stories and to Connecticut Shorty on the history of the American hobo. She had just told us of the long-standing tradition called the Hobo Convention that takes place each year in Brit, Iowa. Let's return to Connecticut Shorty. Originally, the Hobo Convention was run by those business people that I mentioned, and the early hobos, they had some sack races and games and things they did. But now, currently, it's a wonderful event. It's more of a family event. It's the second full weekend in August every year. That's been consistent for over 30 years that I've been going. We have a hobo jungle there. The hobo jungle is really a camp. Now the old time hobo jungle was where the hobos came to meet each other when they got off the rails and they'd gather over by the railroad station in town and they'd be around the town in the daytime talking to the tourists and stuff. But then at night they'd go to their own hobo jungle. The people really didn't go over and bother them too much. Probably were a little afraid of them, of course. But today, it's more of a family event. People come into the hobo jungle, talk to the hobos, you know, have them sign autographs, take pictures of them. They bring their kids down to meet them. So it's changed over the years, but it's still considered a hobo jungle because that's where we all are and where our campfire is and, you know, where many of us are sleeping. So... And then this is one of the reasons the hobos came to Brit for so many years and we still go to Brit. We have a memorial service in the hobo cemetery. The hobo cemetery is a section of the local Evergreen Cemetery in Britain. They've given us a area where we can bury the hobos that have caught the westbound in our community. We have a memorial service where we honor not only the hobos that are buried in the Brit cemetery, but also the hobos that caught the westbound anywheres in the world, really, because some of them were actually World War II veterans. They never came home. So, and then we have a huge parade, and the highlight, of course, is the election of the king and queen. 
The king and queen are elected by the public, really. There's, of course, there's a lot of hobos there. The whole hobo community is included in this. They gather around this little gazebo now that they give up to a two-minute speech on to say why they should be king or queen. And then there's judges spread around the audience. There's six judges, and they listen to the claps, and they come in to the head judge and tell him or her who they think got the most claps, and that person is the person that is elected king and queen. They're crowned with a blue robe and a red robe, and their crown is a straw hat with a Folgers coffee can attached to the top, and that's stored in the Hobo Museum and used every year. The Hobo Museum started in the late 1980s. A hobo historian, his name was George Horton, he walked into the local chamber of commerce. He had two boxes of hobo artifacts that he had been collecting, and he put them on the desk of the Chamber of Commerce lady, whose name was Willie Klein at the time, and said, uh, here, you can have these. You know, I don't really have any place to keep this collection anymore. So that generated the idea, well, why don't we start a hobo museum in Brit? So back in 1974, a steam air hobo named Slow Motion Shorty had caught the westbound, and he had left several thousand dollars with a nonprofit that was called the Hobo Foundation that was organized also by coincidence in 1974 by three hobos. So the money was just kept in the, you know, the bank account of the nonprofit for years. So then the city people and the hobos worked together. They found the chief theater, downtown Brit, that was empty, and they used Slow Motion Shorty's donation to purchase it. So opened as a hobo museum. You're talking uh, 30 years ago now, somewhere around there. Since then, of course, all kinds of artifacts have come in because what happened over the years, especially a lot of people in Brit had these hobo collections that they'd have hobos sign things and sometimes hobo would give them gifts and stuff. And as they get older and older and for various reasons, they donate their stuff to the hobo museum. The hobos themselves donated stuff. Artifacts come in from all over the country, so it's grown to be a world-class museum now with thousands of hobo-connected items. We have a nice collection of paintings. There's two really neat paintings in there. Hobo Joe had those commissioned. They're hobo jungle scenes, and what's unique about them, he had himself painted into the picture, so in each jungle scene, you can find Hobo Joe, which is kind of unique. There's a nice collection of various walking sticks. There's a quilt that was hand embroidered by a hobo named Texas Madman. It's made of denim, and he sewed the sayings and the various things on the patches with string. Can you imagine hand sewing a quilt together with string? I can't even imagine it. But he'd carry some patches in his little pack, and little by little, he'd make this and assemble it. And there's some photography, crafts done by the hobos. There's a knot collection in there, Frisco Jack. He hoboed and he was a merchant marine and he was an expert knot tire. He donated a collection of knots. It's a pretty unique place. It's the only hobo artifacts museum in America, in the whole world for that matter. So it's one of the most unique museums in anywheres that you could find because it's amassed quite a collection of items. I've been on the board of directors for the Hobo Museum since 1992. Today, there's a lot of steam air hobos still alive, but most of them, you know, are in their 90s or over 100 years old. The genuine classic steam air hobo, which is the history that we're trying to preserve in Brit. We had only one steam air hobo come to Brit this year. His name is Minnesota Jim. He's 94 years old. There's other hobos still alive from that generation, but they don't necessarily come to Brit. So what we have today coming to Brit, not counting Minnesota Jim, is mostly what I would call rail riders. We have a lot of younger generation coming in, they're riding 
trains from California to Minnesota and making their way to Britain and stuff. But I wouldn't call them a classic hobo anymore. The hobos that worked and wandered are pretty much gone. So today we have people that still ride trains. Some of them been riding trains since the 70s. They're heavy duty rail riders. Still coming to the uh, hobo convention and uh, coming into the hobo jungle where we share a lot of stories and history. There's still a lot of us, you know, older people wandering around that are, are happy to talk about the hobos to anybody. There's a neat little restaurant in Britt called the Hobo House that has all kinds of hobo memorabilia on the walls and around the restaurant. So if people are interested in hobo history, the place to come is Britt, Iowa, and, and you can't do any better than that. <laughs> you just never know who's going to be there, who's going to show up. Like some people, you they come back year after year. I've actually been to 31 consecutive hobo conventions myself. And there's still a handful of us, Redbird Express and my sister have been there 31 years consecutively. Minneapolis Jewel has been there 41 consecutive years this year. She's 10 years ahead of us. So there's some really old timers there. And the most fun is meeting your friends. A lot of times you see people there that you haven't seen all year. You see them once a year, they show up in Brit. Sometimes you'll meet a unique person and you'll spend you know, a lot of time talking to them or socializing with them and you'll never see them again. So I think it's probably the interactions with the various people that is the reason I keep going back to Brit personally. And of course my father's buried there, Connecticut Slim. We, I think we mostly go for each other to meet our friends and honor our dead. That's really the big reason the hobos go, to honor our dead. When we have our hobo service out at the cemetery, at the end of the service, we all walk around and touch all the stones with our walking sticks to show the people that have caught the westbound honor. So that's a tradition that we have. That probably started, oh, 40 years ago. I just think that Britta's unique, wonderful, small town in Iowa that honors these hobos since 1900, and it's worth a stop when anybody's passing through. And a great job on the storytelling by Madison. And a special thanks to Connecticut Shorty for sharing her passion with the American hobo with all of us. And we all learned something from that story. A, that it's a unique thing, the hobo. It's an American thing. Moreover, that there's a convention where people convene to talk about hobos. And we also learned that there are not many hobos left. And indeed, the hobo life is over in large part, though the heavy-duty rail riders, well, they still prevail all over this country, the people who just love hopping on a train. By the way, The Emperor of the North, a movie with Ernest Borgnine and Lee Marvin, is a classic story centered around hobo life and hobo jungles. The story of the Hobo Museum, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play and we continue with our american stories and we've heard from bob huff before about how he and his bride grew a nursing home and home health care business from six employees to 1500 and there were some terrific stories along the way go to ouramericanstories.com to hear that and so many of the American dreamers' stories we tell, because it's such a fundamental part of this great country. Now we bring you Bob's latest venture from Sarasota, Florida. So Lynn and I sort of retired. Uh, we were like 65 at that time and had been in the business for over 30 years. And... Uh, being an entrepreneur and being only 65 years of age, I told my wife after about three months, I said, you know what, I, I want to do something else. I'm not done. 
didn't know exactly what it was going to be yet. But in the middle of one night, and I was very guilty of waking up with ideas, keeping a legal pad beside me. I woke up about three o'clock in the morning and uh, I thought dogs. I was thinking about Brownie, who was a dog that I had gotten for my son um, after he graduated from college because he was lonely. He was looking for love in the wrong places and he needed a dog. So I got Brownie for him. When I woke up, one morning, I'd written down everything that I was thinking about. Yes, pet resorts, pet resorts, dogs, that's what I need to go into. So at that time, I decided, well, I'm going to start looking and researching this right now. So that's exactly what I did. First, I thought, well, where do you begin? And then I thought, well, I, I need to begin looking for software. So I researched software and uh, found a company uh, that I called. And the gentleman I talked to was very helpful. And he said, well, let me you know, suggest to you that you, uh, we have one of our instructors um, who also owns her own company and owns some other pet resorts. Uh, let, let me give you her name. She can probably help you and consult with you during this process. So I called her up and uh, talked to her. I said, I'd like to volunteer to come up and work at your facility so I can learn a little bit more about this industry. Would that be possible? She said, yes, Bob. Her name was Gretchen Meyenberg. That would be very possible. I'd like to have a volunteer. So I went up and I worked for oh, a couple of weeks for her, learning about dog care training and the amazement of, you know, 50 dogs going home at one time in the morning between probably 8 and 10 a.m. and how the staff can handle all that. I was looking for land in Sarasota and was able to find a property. There's an old bowling alley. It was my first pet resort and that opened up 10 years ago. And as I always do, I thought this is sort of fun. I want to do it again. But I said, I, I'm not to the point where I can afford a big expansion, but what I can afford is maybe a pet salon that would be a, a feeder source for the company that I have. So I did open, I opened a, a pet grooming salon along with a daycare area and uh, had that for about five years. I thought, oh boy, I'm going to have to do some other things now. I'm going to have to open up another pet resort and located a trailer park. It had 17 dilapidated trailers that had been closed for a number of years. And it also had about seven acres of property. And I thought, okay, this is it. This is by me. It was not zoned. So I had to go through the zoning property to get that, that business going. So I uh, worked with an architect and I developed a really state-of-the-art resort. Went through a couple general managers. It took us about two and a half years to really get it profitable and going. And then I thought, well, I want to buy another one. I think this is a lot of fun. And uh, was able to get approval from the county. It took me another year and a half to get that project going that we're going to use a mock-up for other facilities that we're developing in the future. So to uh, Fast forward to my life now at 74 and still going, I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna to have to start thinking of transition. And so the best way to transition is to expand. <laughs> and I say that because by expansion, you can afford to hire more management and um, expand your business. And so we are now in the process of moving forward with the development of 
two pet resorts per year for the next five years is a goal that I have. I have a young man that's working with me that will be um, responsible for that, uh, that development process. We have a relationship with Churches of America, which is an organization, it's a nonprofit organization, it's been around many, many years. And uh, this particular organization provides services, guidance, direction, counseling to returning citizens. It's primarily women who have been incarcerated for and are convicted felons. Met the executive director of that organization and have offered our services, working with them uh, to develop uh, productive members of society from some of their programs that they have. And so we have been working very successfully for the past uh, five years with employees who come from Bridges of America. Uh, we don't ask their backgrounds. We want a new beginning for them because they have a special sense of what it means to not be loved and what it means to be loved with no bars attached. We can forgive and forget and move on with our lives. We have a lady that was our very first pet pal that we had received from the program. This has been five or six years. Kim started with us. Don't know exactly what her background is, but she just wanted uh, wanted a job, wanted to, to be able to provide and live independently. She had completed the program. We brought her in. I was very hesitant to do the program and invite in convicted felons, but what a blessing it's been to the staff. Kim has provided so much encouragement and so much guidance. Uh, to our young staff who have come in. She shares her story. She's not embarrassed with her story. And uh, it's helped so many of our uh, teenagers that we have hired to hear what Kim has done with her life and what her life has been like, which she shares with them. And she's very respected by the staff. Kim came with nothing, nothing whatsoever got out of the program with nothing whatsoever. And through employment with us, she was finally able to get uh, housing. However, she did not have transportation, and she had to walk uh, three and a half miles one way to and from work, and she was never late for work. And uh, the staff realized this after she had been with us about seven or eight months, and they knew that she was walking. And for Christmas, unbeknownst to anyone, they did this without my knowledge or any management knowledge whatsoever. But they all chipped in money for Christmas for Kim, and they bought her a bicycle. And it may not seem like much, but to Kim, uh, brought her to tears. And for our staff, it brought them to tears that they could do something for someone else, and Kim could do something for them. So it's been a wonderful blessing. Kim has been promoted uh, several times over the years, and now she is a, a manager of our back area uh, with providing full service care and guidance and direction to our staff and care to our pets. And she's done a, a wonderful job. So uh, our philosophy has been that we want, the door, we want the dog's tails wagging and coming. And when I really think about it, I guess that's true with all the people and all the staff that we have working there. We want them to have pride. I want them to be happy when they come in the door in the morning and when they leave in the afternoon. 
And I think that with most of our staff, we've been able to accomplish that. And this is a driving force behind what we're doing to move forward in the future and see what the Lord has in plan for the future and what other organizations and what other opportunities are going to be available to each and every one of our family members we have for staff and for each of the clients that we have coming through the doors. They know when they come through the doors, their pets are always so excited to come in. A couple of them have jumped out the window uh, to get into a daycare. They know that they're in a loving environment because you can feel it as soon as you're at the door. You can feel it, we can feel it, but the dogs feel it too. So we do have those tails wagging, going and coming through our doors. And a great job on the production by Robbie. And a special thanks to Bob Huff for sharing this remarkable story. He retired at the age of 65 and only three months later retired from retirement. And of course, a dream comes to him and he's got a pad by his side because that's what entrepreneurs do, especially serial entrepreneurs. People who just can't help themselves. They've got to start a business. And look at the value he creates all around him, from hiring people to providing a service for the dogs and giving an opportunity to a convicted felon. Sometimes it's as simple as starting a business and doing good in your neighborhood. The story of Bob Huff, the story of his entrepreneurship, and so much more here on Our American Stories. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell 
from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.